Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hospitality MD's first ever live broadcast. Thank you so much for bearing with us as we uh, kind of go through these technical challenges here. Um, today, we are so excited to uh, present a special live segment on really what everybody is talking about right now, which is um, coronavirus and specifically as it relates to us, um, you know, the impacts on the industry that we are most passionate about, which is the hotels and hospitality industry. Um, right now, uh, since mid-February, the hotel industry has seen $2.4 billion in uh, projected room revenue losses. Um, occupancies across the country um, are expected to fall below 20% for the next several months, um, and 80% or more of staff are projected to be furloughed or laid off in the next coming weeks as uh, occupancies in ADR drop drastically due to this virus. Um, today, we thought uh, we would bring in um, some very special guests um, to share their stories about uh, about the impacts of coronavirus on their hotels and on their lives. We'll be happy to welcome Emil Patel. Uh, he's a recent uh, hospitality graduate as of 2019 and currently working as a front desk manager at the iconic Beverly Hilton uh, and was also a recent management development program uh, graduate with Hilton as well. Uh, Leanne Potter is a front office supervisor in the San Francisco Bay Area who has multiple years of progressive front office management experience. And last but not least, TJ Horth, uh, old colleague of Greg and myself, um, and a bellman at the Ambassador Chicago, uh, who has unfortunately recently been laid off due to the uh, epidemic taking place. Um, and today, we will be guest hosted by Katerina Wolf, who, as everybody knows, uh, was one of our favorite podcast guests ever. Um, she, back when we had, had talked with her last, she was the front office manager at the uh, Waldorf Astoria Beverly Hills. She is now the director of guest relations at the Conrad New York Midtown. Uh, Katerina, how are you? I'm great. I'm furloughed, <laughs> but great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, our, our guest co-host today has also been furloughed, unfortunately. So sorry to hear that, Kat, but thanks for spending your time to, to be with us today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think we'll get started. Uh, I uh, think we'll bring uh, Emil Patel onto the show first. Um, Emil, are you with us? Hold on, hold on. He's coming. What's up, Greg? Here he comes. All righty. Emil, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Good. Can you hear us okay? Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, reaching out to us and expressing interest in, in being on our first ever live show. Super, super happy to have you here. Oh, thank um, you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I know it takes a lot of courage to share your story publicly, and we're just we're just glad that you uh, you wanted to participate with us. Um, okay, so uh, you are currently working? Um, no. So the, today is day three of unemployment. Um, I was furloughed on Saturday. Saturday was my last day. How do you feel? Um, 
you know, I've been talking to my family and friends. We had like a group chat with alum from Collins College and I don't know, I know it's not my fault and I know it's nothing I could have done and it wasn't like my um, like my leadership or anything, but I still feel that sense of shame or embarrassment that it happened. Um, but after yesterday talking with fellow alum, it, it made me feel a little bit better because the whole entire social distancing, you can't really talk to your friends or see the friends. Um, so just doing stuff like this has really like put it into perspective where I'm not the only one. So um, even though we're in this social distancing bubble, there are still many people out there like me. Uh, and, you know, alum that I looked up to when I was a student at Cal Poly, they're also in the same situation. So that's also helped to a degree. So um, is the hotel closed right now, the Beverly Hilton? No. Or is so it the Beverly Hilton will not be closing. Our, um, our ownership has decided that he uh, will do everything he can to keep it open as long as he can. Um, that being said, we're running at like 5% occupancy. Um, so who knows how long they'll stay open um, or how many people will actually be working at the property. Uh, right now we have significantly reduced how much staff we've had. So um, yeah, so that's what the situation there is. Yeah, and and I, I know um, it's difficult and you mentioned like a feeling of a little bit of shame and embarrassment. Katerina, do you, do you feel that way yourself? I completely identify with exactly everything that you said. Saturday was also my last day. Um, Friday, I got called to our director of HR's office with my boss. <laughs> I'm sure you have the wonderful packet of paper like yeah. I do. <laughs> um, I think the thing that hit me was similar in that, you know, I, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, you expect to be in sort of these circumstances or, you know, you know, it's like being called to the principal's office. Like you don't get called for the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you get called for the bad stuff. Um, I, so I definitely relate with that. It's just the kind of feeling of, you know, despite like all of your best effort, all of your energy, everything you did, because I'm sure like, even though we were slow too, and you know, 5% or less occupancy as well here in New York, you know, like I was finding things to do. I was trying to get everything I could possibly get done, done, you know, make progress on a bunch of things, you know, try and keep everybody in a, in a, you know, higher spirit and everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just kind of feel like you're being told you're inessential. Mm -hmm. you know? Like this can move on without you. Yeah. So it's like a weird, like half fiery. <laughs> You know, you feel like, okay, well, I'm being put on hold for a minute. I know I'm not fired. I know I didn't do anything bad, but you know, you're going home at the end of the day and you're, you're not coming back and some other people are. So I, I completely relate with that. Um, and I did the same thing. Like I, I spoke with like a bunch of my siblings and, and some friends and, you know, just tried to, you know, keep it positive without, you know, glazing over the feelings as they were. Because if you don't feel them, if you don't let them kind of rise up to the top and express themselves, you're just, you're going to keep just compounding that feeling over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think like the feeling that sucks is I just, I just graduated. I finished my management program. Like this was my career starting. And like, obviously this isn't anyone, someone could have like 
yeah you know scene happening but it just like sucks and so that whole entire week or like the two weeks leading up to it it's like I already knew because I was the least tenured manager so it's like okay it's it's eventually going to happen it's just when are they going to pull that trigger yeah. so like anxiety just like eat, it ate me up inside at least for a whole entire week um and then as you may know like LA is just very expensive and there's no point at least for me I'm a very like practical person I don't see the point in paying like $1,500 a month to like, you know, just sit at home when there's no money coming in. Um, so I think that's also like the biggest struggle. Like for me, culturally, um, I saw myself like moving, my parents moving in with me, like once I was able to yeah, get a house, get a place to live. But act in like actuality, I'm moving back in with my parents. And it's like, that is like something that's really tough for me. Because I thought by now, once we would live together again, you know, I would have made it. I would have been that director making money to support them. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You can't do anything about it. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it sucks. There's no like good way to like describe this whole entire situation with everyone involved. I can see how like you (laughs) feel like you're making a regression. to a certain extent, especially considering, and then that was one of the the main reasons why why I thought you'd be able to add a lot of value to our program today um, is because you know you're you're recently graduated. It's like you're set up this this like idealism of like what your hospitality career is going to be like. You have a you know you know, obviously it's, it's, you know, you're still an entry level manager, but you have a management position at an iconic Hilton product. Um, And, you know, things were looking up, right? Yeah. And they definitely were. And sure enough, who would have ever thought that we would be experiencing the most devastating um, impact on the hotel industry more so than 9-11 world war ii and the great recession combined i mean it's just it's just very very difficult the one thing i can say though from a positive standpoint is you're starting your career in the mud right now like you like moving forward you now know like okay you've seen like how does ownership and executive management navigate this type of situation when you're dealing with furloughs and layoffs and long-term planning for the property um and and all these variables so by starting your career in the mud I feel like you're just building yourself up because you need thick skin to be in this in this game and um, I think maybe this could be could be a a positive thing once all is said and done you know yeah Um, have you been doing anything uh, in the I know it's only been a couple days but have you been doing anything uh, to kind of stay active and stay in the game uh you know while you you've been you've been off i know this is obviously one of those things but uh anything that you could share with with our viewers um yeah so i mean in the past three days i haven't really done too much i'm just in the process of moving back um so that's like a whole nother struggle just finding space in my parents house to like fit all my uh because i haven't lived at home since probably junior year of college. So that's three, four years ago. Um, but 
the good thing with Hilton is they have released different like companies that are hiring. Um, so I just plan to, you know, apply and, you know, work for one of those companies for the time being. I can't stay at home. I get a little agitated. And I need to do something. Um, and then I'm thinking of just brushing up on um, different languages, stuff that I haven't done, um, taking like a few real estate classes, just things that I haven't had enough time for with a full-time job, um, I guess is the time to like complete all of those. But I've always been one to like, you know, plan my life. I had like a roadmap, a career roadmap, and it's hit that dead end. So I really don't know, you know, what I'm going to do. Like it's, it's one of those situations where I never thought I wouldn't know what direction or what path to take. Um, so I guess just trying to navigate that uncertainty is, is what I'm doing right now. I can really relate to that too. Um, and I hope you know, this is actually not my first time being laid off. <laughs> this is my second time. Um, but I definitely identified with what you said with like seeing it coming. You know, I, I thought about it a lot last week where I was like, well, if we start kind of doing this, you know, I mean, how essential do I really think I am here without any guests? Yeah. Um, you know, so I was doing, you know, like I said, everything I possibly could to make myself really essential. But, you know, I think there is that kind of delay between knowing something's coming and having it hit your head and like the logic part of it. It's like, okay, I can deal with this in my head. But that moment when it comes and just having it hit your heart. Yeah. And then having to kind of work through all of those emotions as well. Um, as somebody who was <laughs> laid off a couple of times now, um, it's, it definitely, it definitely can feel like a stop in your career. It, it feels like that, you know, the uncertainty and the lack of understanding of when something will come back and, you know, well, how long am I supposed to wait? And, you know, all of those things kind of, you know, do weigh heavily. So I think it's really great that you're taking the opportunity to, you know, still try and find something to do. So like, the, like a part-time or um, even a full-time like temporary job is really great. And yes, Hilton did announce that, which um, I think everybody was applauding <laughs> around the country, around the world. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I would definitely encourage you to do as well is like the languages is great too, but like encourage your creativity because, you know, when we come back from these things, you know, we have a lot of ideas right now, you know, with no, for no, like that has nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Right. So taking the time to kind of foster your creativity in different ways can definitely um, contribute to how you come back from it as well too. And maybe you come back with a bunch of ideas and you just hit the ground running as well. Yeah. And maybe not. But doing everything you can, you know, like one day at a time and not forcing yourself into like a ridiculous schedule, but, you know, giving yourself the chance to express yourself and maybe give yourself some time to think about things. Um, I definitely think is a really valuable use of time for yourself as well. Right. And like on the flip side, like even though I graduated, I like, you know, I'm in the clear. I graduated. I finished my management program. But like my heart goes out to my friends that are currently graduating. And so all of them, they got their Voyager programs with Marriott, their MDP programs with Hilton. And since, you know, they have canceled all those programs because, you know, it's one of those situations where you don't know when hotels will be back at 100%. And so I remember that feeling literally a year ago, feeling, you know, secure, like, yes, I have a job after graduation. This is all like my work 
you know, adding up and I finally like accomplished something. And so for them, it's like, you know, that rug was swiped under them and now they don't know what they're going to do. So like I'm in like a pretty tough situation, but it could be worse and it could be better. And it could be worse where I could be one of those graduates for the class of 2020 where they literally have no job now after graduation. They don't even have a graduation, like let alone having a job. So yeah, so it could be worse, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it sucks. <laughs> There's nothing better to say it sucks. Yeah, it's it's truly unprecedented. Um, and And again, I feel like, for your friends who are who are just graduating they kind of feel like you know like you said the the rug has been pulled out from under them they feel like they're in limbo they're in, filled with anxiety um i honestly just think to just diversify yourself and just stay in the game however way you can even that if that means just like subscribing to hotel management magazine and just reading their online articles and everything like star has webinars that they do um you know where people can tune in and and find out what's going on just to stay in the game keep a pulse on what's going on in the hotel industry no matter what um is crucial because once a hotelier always a hotelier um and and i think you know kind of like katarina you had mentioned the feeling of like i'm inessential you know, nobody's an essential. We're all part of the, the hospitality family in this world. It's a small circle of people, um, even though it feels so big, like so many people are going through this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel fortunate that I'm still working. However, um, and I don't know if Greg can relate to this at all, but I almost feel more isolated as somebody who's still employed than somebody who's not employed at this point. Um, just because, I mean, honestly, like to a certain extent, I have, not that I have guilt, but I have, um, you know, I get, you know what? No, I have a little guilt. I think we can just call it that. It's kind of like to use a very, uh, you know, I, not that it's comparable, but it's like if, you're with your friends and you get into a car accident everybody in the car dies but you one of those types of situations um so i i think there's there's feelings on both sides of it um and uh, just my heart goes out to everybody and that's why i really uh wanted to to put this together to connect everybody um who's been through it um Emil, I want to keep you on until the very end when we have everybody come back together. Do you have anything else you want to say right now before we bring on Leanne? Um, well, I mean, I totally get it from like the hotel's perspective. Like my background, my family has been in um, hospitality. I grew up in the industry. Uh, my parents and my like uncles, they own managed properties. So like on a logistical standpoint, I totally understand. And I think that's what helped my HR because I asked my director, is it easier with each person? Because, you know, as much as it hurts on my side, you're telling, you know, 15 managers that have been here forever, you know, you can no longer work at this time because you're not essential type of thing. You're, there's nothing for you to do. Um, and so like on a business standpoint, I 100% understand. And so 
there's like no hard feelings for the hotel. It just, it's like, damn, I'm that person that they didn't really need when I wish I could have been that person uh, they could have utilized during this time. Um, let me ask you something, Emil. Do you, uh, have you noticed a common denominator among people who have remained employed at your property? Um, because when we're talking about like, okay, I'm non-essential, but then somebody else who's still working is, do you notice that, you know, there's any qualities, traits, anything that they've done, or is it literally in, in, in your property, just like, if you're a department head, then you're, then you're staying. If you're not a department head, then you're out. Like what, what have you noticed for the people who are still employed? So it's, it's not what I thought it would be like, I guess rationally for me, it would be like based on seniority, even though managers technically don't have seniority. There are those that have worked there. They have put in their time much longer. And so that's why I saw myself as like one of the first candidates to be furloughed. That being said, that's not necessarily the pattern being followed. Um, and then also, you know, it's just something I noticed, but it's something I'm not like willing to comment further because, you know, it's just personal feelings that why certain people were staying. Um, and I guess I just want to keep that private and to myself just for the future. I want to protect my position if, you know, oh, I okay. get hired back. But yeah, it's, um, it's a little inconsistent. Um, that's all I can say. And it's just interesting who was, you know, you know, furloughed and who wasn't. I think okay. it's definitely one of those things where it's super unprecedented. So it's, I'm not even sure that there's necessarily an order um, or even, I mean, there's obviously thought process behind it and, you know, trying to figure where it makes the most sense, but it can feel in a variety of different ways. Like, um, you know, again, it's, it's not always about like, you know, who is there the longest or who's there the shortest, but sometimes it can feel that way because we don't like, I don't, I don't necessarily know what the big picture is, you know, and maybe there are reasons and maybe there aren't. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, we're just trying to, you know, save the ship, right? At that point, like you're doing the best that you can. I feel in a certain way a little um, that I identify with you and that I just started my job um, at this hotel in October. Um, but again, like just, I just have to keep reminding myself it was nothing that I did. It's not like, you know, I'm fired or anything just on, you know, a temporary leave of absence that was right. instigated by my company <laughs> and not me. But, um, but, you know, just again to it's, you're right. Like there's really kind of no way to find a pattern in that kind of situation. It's, it's super unprecedented. And so all we have is impressions. Yeah. Um, Greg, do you um, by chance want to share a little insight on uh, your experience in uh, kind of the planning and uh, uh, execution of, of what we've been doing? Um, I think that may be able to uh, maybe give a little peace of mind or insight onto what's going on behind the scenes that a lot of people haven't seen. Do you, do you feel like you want to comment on that? Um, yeah, I can comment a little bit on it. I, I feel like we, obviously it was, it was a tough decision, like all the way down to, to who we kept and, and who we had to let go. But ultimately it came down to who can really do the most 
um, with very little. Um, so we, we really had to keep people that can work the front desk that is willing to kind of do whatever it takes to just help us keep these doors open right now. Cause we're in a bit of a unique situation where we have a private owner. Uh, I know a lot of hotels are like that, but he, he really wants to try to keep the doors open. So we really need to keep a core group of people that can keep the doors open and just be ready for when we start to get busy and whenever that is to really rebuild that team and keep the core of what, what our hotel was before all this happened. Um, is flexibility kind of one of the biggest things that you're kind of looking at in terms of, you know, who's there? Because, you know, if somebody, for example, knows front desk and housekeeping, does that make them more valuable than somebody who maybe just knows housekeeping or just knows front desk? Those yeah. sorts of things? As, as blunt and terrible as that sounds, yes. Uh, it, yeah, it, we kept somebody on basically because of that reason. Uh, she worked front desk. She's worked housekeeping. She's opened the house. Uh, she knows night audit. She's one of our most invaluable players. So we, we had no, we, it was a no brainer basically to keep her on board. And that's, and I think that's like something that I'm struggling with because I've done my internship in it. I grew up in the industry. So it's like, I've done housekeeping. I've made beds, I've cleaned bathrooms. I know for an office. And then also like we have a union in the mix. So it's like, to what extent can you have a manager doing those tasks while not like you know stepping on the union and when I look at it majority of the managers they did their you know they did their program at the Beverly Hilton we have two of them that were uh, promoted within so they did a rotation but to the extent that I did my rotation with corporate that I guess is something that I would argue you know I had those skills and I was more than capable but then I was still you know for so it's like, I don't know, trying to like rationalize it and like sitting here thinking about it, you just come to different uh, conclusions. But I mean, realistically, you don't know the reason unless you're at that, you know, executive committee level. But yeah, I feel like I was still a candidate for that. I was very flexible. I'm, you know, a huge team player. I'm willing to stay past like the 10 hours to get the job done because that's what you're supposed to do as a manager. But I'm still in the situation. And and I, I I think the kind of wondering and, you know, turning over scenarios in your head and that anxiety that I know a lot of people have been feeling. Um, I think Greg and I both have been extremely fortunate um, that we've been working hand in hand with um, a hotel manager that has been almost overly communicative every single step of the way. As we all know, this has been changing day by day, hour by hour. Um, and I think I speak on Greg's behalf as well when I say that I don't think it would have been as, granted it's still very, very difficult um, this past week and, and moving forward, but it would have been way more difficult had we not been communicated with so um, so openly um, about everything that was going on and, and the plans and the change of plans and the change of plans again and again and again. Um, if one thing can bring anybody peace, just know that I guarantee you there were people who were probably going up to bat to keep you um, because I think we went back and forth in the planning process with different associates um, and managers and 
what we found was that we, we built a core group of people that we were 100% sure in that moment that that was going to be our staff. And then sure enough, you know, 11 hours later, the owner says, no, you need to make more cuts, more cuts, more cuts. And that's when, you know, despite, despite the fact that we knew that we wanted to keep certain people, it just got to the point where we just couldn't anymore. And then it's almost beyond management and HR. And it's just literally it's ownership at that point of the property. Um, Emil, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts with us. Again, I do ask that you stay on because we'll have everybody come back uh, at the end. And uh, Greg, why don't we bring in Leanne, please? Well, one, one quick question from uh, Kwasi here in the comments I was wondering uh, which position in hotels that are open, you know, which positions are open and why, why are those positions there? as opposed to which ones were let go and closed completely? I mean, I think in, in my case, it was really operational based. Um, we, I mean, and even so, a lot of our operations teams were taking a week or two of PTO at a time mm -hmm. just to try and soften that blow as well, payroll wise. Um, I know our sales and marketing team was most heavily affected by furloughs as well, which I think I, I'm pretty sure everybody can identify with too. Um, you know, it's, it really was a lot about who can keep the operation running and going and how can we stretch those people so that way there's, you know, as few as possible, because again, right now the top line can't support the bottom line, right? So, I mean, you have all of these, you know, expenses in the middle that are, you, you physically can't support. I mean, on one day last week, I remember being like two and a half percent occupancy. There's no way in that day any revenue generated from guests was going to take care of the, the hundreds of employees who were there too, you know? So if we, and again, I think in my head too, you know, reconciling it with the fact that if you want to stay open in the long run, you have to make the hard choices now too, because sometimes like if you're going to stretch yourself right now you might not be able to come back from it in some ways you know so there are there are definitely a lot of factors but i think the most operational um kind of core group has definitely been kept and it makes it makes sense to me and katarina kind of to to maybe provide some more insight on that question would you mind just explaining what your job role is so people can understand maybe a little bit of of that because I think that might help paint a more clear picture. So the best explanation that I can provide is like sales gets your people in the door and I'm the one who tries to keep you there <laughs> and keep you coming back. Right. So I'm your person who I reach out to your, your VIPs. I serve as their point of contact here on property. I'm the one doing the special setups for special occasions and things like that serving as you know, kind of that intermediary between some of the sales and marketing and the operational pieces as well. Um, you know, so like if there's a major VIP, I'm doing your run of show for that VIP stay and things like that. So really with the depletion of guests, I mean, I had days where all my VIPs canceled. Um, in fact, most of the days, <laughs> everybody, like all my VIPs canceled. Um, and so at that point, I was trying to work on a, a few partnership projects that I was working on, but then, you know, obviously they're impacted too. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there, I was helping to run some of the front desk shifts while other people took PTO and I was taking PTO, you know, we were all trying to rotate through and make it as easy a process as possible. But at the end of the day, like my job 
description, like I really wasn't doing that much of it. So in my head, it, it made a lot of sense and it was very rational <laughs> that, you know, I'd be one of the first people to be furloughed from an operational standpoint, because again, my job really depends on the incoming guest, you know? So that's kind of, that's kind of how I would describe it. Like it's a little bit kind of run around and everything and like, <laughs> you know, keep on top of things, but you know, in a very different way. And I think like when you describe it like that, like, and this is me already having known what your job was, but for those who may not know, um, I think that definitely provides a lot of clarity. Like if you don't have VIPs, what you, you just can't, the job just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Um, so, but on the other side, when the hotel is busy and full of high profile VIPs and people, I'm very, very busy. <laughs> the potential to generate a lot of revenue and possibly repeat revenue um, and, and to put business on the books for future dates, your job becomes essentially invaluable at that point. Um, and certainly not inessential, of course. Definitely not. Maybe just at 2% occupancy. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, Greg, do we have any more questions from the comments at this time? Um, yeah, one more question here. If other industries are able to tell employees to stay home and get paid, why not the hospitality industry? Um, that's a tough question. I think that part of it has to come down to the fact that like, I know like in Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker has labeled hotels as essential businesses because they are in fact shelters. Um, for a lot of people, a lot of hotels are extended stay properties where people are using them as residences. Um, so I think that certainly plays a role in it. Um, so granted, and I think given the fact that owners have the, the right at any point in time to close down their business, this becomes less of like, Oh, I'm, I'm a marketing coordinator for, a you know fitness company i can work from home like hospitality doesn't work like that you have to be you have to be there because it's an occupancy based business and it's an operations based business um so we can't stay home and get paid the the people and you'll see this with a lot of the hotels that are that are open and operating on a skeleton crew the people who can stay home and get paid don't have a job. Mm -hmm. And that's just the reality of it right now. The people who are even have the opportunity to even work from home in the first place are no longer employed by the hotel. The people who have no choice but to just climb into the mud and, and just work because there's no other option because you're trying to run, you know, a medium to large size property with, 12 people. Yeah. Like you gotta be here. You gotta be here to do it. And I, and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, um, taking away the, um, the government kind of their restrictions and mandates. So, um, I don't know if anybody has anything else they want to comment on that. <laughs> right. Okay. I think you got it. Um, sure. We bring in Leanne. Yes. Yeah. Let's do that. All Thanks right. again, Emil. Stay on for us. Here's Leanne. Hey, Leanne, can you hear us okay? Leanne, can you hear us all right? 
Hmm. Okay. Is she on? Because I, uh, well, she's there. Yeah, I, I see her up here. Let's see. Let's see. She may need to change where her microphone, her input. Are there any more questions we can answer while we're trying to get that sorted out, maybe? Um, let's see here. Okay, can you hear me? Oh, there she oh is. there we hey, are. Hey, what's up, Leanne? <laughs> Beautiful. Hi, how are you guys? Really, really, really well. How's everything going with you? Oh, you know, just hanging in there, you know? I'm, <laughs> I'm the last one on the ship, so I'm trying to hang on. Okay, cool. So uh, we have a meal, um, unfortunately, has been furloughed at this point. Katerina, unfortunately, furloughed, and you are still working. Yeah at as a front office supervisor at the embassy suites in san francisco yes okay cool um so because we've kind of already been having a conversation surrounding who's still left at the hotels if they're not closed you know like you know the the essential non-essential that kind of conversation why don't you give us a rundown of who's still employed at your property um and and kind of give us a, a little bit, paint a picture for us as to the before and after. Um, well, right now, about a handful of us are still working at the front desk, and then a handful of us are still working in ha uh, housekeeping. Uh, we still have our coordinator, rooms coordinator, and then a couple of directors, and that's about it right now. Our restaurant has been closed, so everybody and our food and beverage department has to had to be furloughed and everything like that. So we have a very small crew at this moment. How many people roughly for, for also how many rooms is your embassy suites? So we're through in 12, okay. but before all of this, we were actually going through a renovation. So that brought us down a little bit too. So we were slowly cutting down for that as well. But right now there's, I could probably say there's about, 20 people that are working at the hotel right now and that even seems generous to be honest with you yeah um, it's they're getting very few days but they're trying they're trying to keep us all going okay so you have about 20 people but not everybody's getting five days exactly got it got it got it um so i know you've had like uh you know you've worked at several uh properties uh primarily uh with hilton um and you kind of been in customer service for a while. Um, what's your reaction to all this? Oh, man, it's scary, actually. I've never seen this. I've worked at a small hotel, a big hotel, a big resort hotel, and they're all just getting hit so hard. My last property, 586 rooms. And now they they're have about 29 rooms occupied at this moment is what I've heard. So like, it's just being, we're all being hit so hard and it's just really scary. Yeah. Um, do you, do you fear for, for your position or how do you feel right now? Do you feel secure? Like in your role, like what's going I on mean, in your head? At this point, anything's possible. I am trying to make sure that I am 
you know, essential to make sure I keep myself busy. I'm cleaning yesterday. I literally spent four hours cleaning my front desk just so I could stay busy. And so I'm trying to make sure I can be an asset, but anything goes at this point. It's possible. My front office manager was just let go as well. So it's really hard to say at this point. I think anybody can be let go. Sure. Um, and how does, how does San Francisco look in general? I mean, I know I'm thinking San Francisco, I'm thinking, you know, 1,920 rooms at the Hilton Union Square and, you know, a similar amount at Park 55 and like all these big box properties. Like, I can't imagine it's easy right now in that market. No, the city has died. The city who is always hustle, bustle, bright lights, people, tourists everywhere has completely just died. Uh, the Park 55 in Hilton Union Square, one of the few big hotels in the city actually opened right now. Like the W has closed up. They boarded everything up. The Fairmonts boarded everything up. So it's just in this whole area, it's just really, it's a really creepy feeling because living in San Francisco for the last year, that's all you've seen. And then all of a sudden after the shelter in place, it's just dead. So they've actually gone as far as to put boards on their, on their windows. Yeah, because, well, the homeless problem right now, they're still trying to get hotels and bids for, you know, homes for these people, but there is still that, them on the streets who don't want to take that option and who will try and break into things, unfortunately. Right. Um, You know, I've actually yet to see that. I know several hotels in Chicago have closed. Um, However, I've yet to see boards going up on any actual hotel buildings. Uh, I can imagine that's a very sombering sight to see. Oh, most definitely. Has uh, Katerina, has that happened in New York yet? Have you seen that? No boards. I haven't seen any boards, but you're, the description of like such an eerie feeling when you're walking the streets, even before our shelter in place, because ours just came through on Sunday. Um, last week, it was just quiet. And it's weird when you're on the subway and it's like, there's only three people in your car and it's rush hour and you know like all of these like strange things that you only notice because of the absence of things you know like the absence of traffic the absence of people walking the absence of people on the subways it's it's a very you're it's it is a creepy kind of feeling you're like this is really odd you know just um being so thoroughly impacted and of course now with the shelter in place um, given I have not left my apartment as part of the shelter in place, uh, I imagine it's even even worse. Yeah, that's the one thing that um, because I'm still working, I feel like I've been kind of being able to see like almost like updates every day of like what like the downtown area looks like and everything. And man, it is creepy out there. Um, and I think another thing too, aside from just the town, like Leanne, maybe you can re- relate to this as well, but for the hotels that are still open, it's like, there's no energy in these buildings right now. And it just, it's, it's a little depressing to, to say the least, especially as um, I think it's safe to say that all of us really give a shit about what we're doing in hotels and have appreciated the energy and the buzz and the life that a hotel has when it's filled with staff and guests and um it's tough to see 
you know, essentially a shell of a place that has been used to facilitate um, lifelong memories for so many people um, and has been a central hub. And um, as one of our previous guests, Charles Dozier said, you know, essentially a city center and a gathering spot for people to congregate is now essentially just an empty shell and in some cases even boarded up. Um, it's certainly a unique scenario, uh, to say the least. Leanne, do you feel like your hotel is uh, starting to feel a little creepy without any guests? Oh, yeah. Um, so being an embassy, we're an atrium-style hotel, and things just echo, and it's the weirdest thing ever. You'll just be there by yourself and just hear someone on the eighth floor talking, and it's just like, Ugh, it just gives you like chills because there's not enough people to fill that to make it not echo. Do you guys have like a water feature in the lobby? Not anymore. Is it like, oh, is it because of the renovation? Yeah, we went through a reno- lobby renovation a year and a half, two years ago before got I it. came. Got it, mm-hmm. got it, okay. Yeah, because um, I used to work at an embassy suites and like the water feature was kind of like a nice white noise to like fill the lobby with sound <laughs> so it wouldn't echo so much. Um, so I can imagine it's like dead quiet and then you hear somebody like opening their door or like speaking to somebody or talking on the phone like in a you know higher floor in the atrium or something and it's got to be super weird it is <laughs> um are you did they mandate in california that restaurants close down or is that a decision that your hotel made on its own uh, i believe it is what they made on their their own uh our ownership because just the occupancy there's just not enough people who are but reservations are a uh, construction crew. So. so I imagine that like the um, brand standards for like a manager's reception and uh, complimentary cook to order breakfasts have probably been waived temporarily by Hilton uh, in lieu of everything that's been taking place. Yeah, no manager's reception. Are- breakfast is the to-go order you have to take it back to your you're not doing like anything like that and then uh the restaurant is also closed on top of all of that have you gotten any complaints from guests no everybody's been really understanding i think everybody just understands what's going on so they're not giving everybody a hard time which is really nice they're all, all really understanding at this time. Okay, that's good to know. Um, so I, I also yeah, I'll just ask a quick question, just because you know, now I'm off. But I know last week we were probably in a very similar circumstance with just you know that deadness and that kind of like lifelessness in the lobby. How have you tried to kind of keep your teams motivated during that as well? Because I'm. I know like for me, we were trying to figure out like kind of cost effective ways to still like kind of brighten people's spirits. You know, it's a very difficult situation. So I'd just love to hear um, how you're keeping your front desk team still engaged. I'm one of those people that I'm always trying to make sure that my team is happy and keeps going and everything like that, even though there's so few of us right now. 
Um, so I'm always just trying to like, you know, make conversation. We are always cleaning, you know, having fun conversations, talking about life. We have four check-ins, you know, we don't really get too bothered. So we get nice conversations and it's just nice to help ease their minds and pass the time and everything like that. Last week we were actually had front, front desk week. So we also got a little packages from HR and sales and everything like that so that just kind of helped in a time like this too so it's just always good just to kind of have fun with it even though we're dead it's just trying to make the best of it even though we're sitting there cleaning everything every hour taking up most of our day like we're just trying to make the best of it you know cracking jokes you know uh construction team comes to say hi the housekeepers come to say hi you know just trying to have a good time while we're passing the time I love that, honestly. And Katerina, great question. Um, I guess I feel like for anybody who's still working and anybody who's in a leadership or, or management position, um, now's the time to make those emotional deposits with the people you still have on your team. Um, it People need to feel like their their leaders are there for them, especially when there's so much anxiety because their friends who they've been working alongside with for years have been let go. So if you're one of the last people left, chances are you still have some level of anxiety about what the future is, if you're still secure, what that means. So I think it's crucial that, um, that we keep making those emotional deposits bond with our teams the best we can. And, um, and, and, just try and keep it as tight knit as possible because ultimately if there's only 10, to 20 people running your hotel right now when there used to be 200 plus um this is the family and you gotta you've gotta honor that so um thank you so much leanne do you have anything else you want to say before we bring tj on no well i just i keep thinking about this um just in the beginning when hilton started conrad hilton you know built this whole company through the Great Depression. So I just, I keep thinking about that. I wanted to share that with everybody just because that's kind of really comforting for me, at least just to know that he built this huge company going on over a hundred years now in such a hard time like we are in now. And it's gonna be possible for us to get back and everything like that. So I just felt that that was comforting and I wanted to share that with everybody too. Great. That's super awesome. Thank you. Of course. Greg, Thank how are you guys. doing over there, man? Any questions from the... Uh... Yeah, we got a couple here. Well, first off, uh, Niall says that she's your biggest fan. So I want to oh, make sure I share that with you. Uh, secondly, um, Kwasi had another question here. What are hospitality companies doing to support employees that were furloughed besides encouraging them to file for unemployment? Um, and a piggyback question from Amy uh, is, can we talk about the difference between furloughed and laid off employees? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Greg, it sounds like, what was the first question again? Because that sounds like it's right up your alley, man. Uh, it's what are hospitality companies doing to support employees that were furloughed besides encouraging, encouraging them to file for unemployment? Oh, gotcha. Actually, Katerina, why don't you take these? It sounds like these are for you. Um, so they're actually, I feel like doing a lot. We got a whole, um, kind of, and I'm sure Emil, you have the same packet that I do. Like I said, um, we got a whole packet. It's not just like you only can file for unemployment. So if you had PTO saved, you can spend your PTO as you would like 
um, in order to keep your same um, kind of compensation scheme. Um, granted, based on how long you've been working and, you know, uh, if you had taken any vacations before this all hit, you know, that, that could be um, maybe not the best option for you, but it is an option. So for example, like um, I am the workaholic who has not taken a real vacation in <laughs> probably three years. <laughs> so I have a lot of PTO saved up. Granted, I don't want to spend it all. So what I did was kind of just put in a few weeks to kind of see where I'm at. Um, there are also, um, I think some hotels that are offering to do your PTO as a lump sum too. So if you wanted to take four weeks of your PTO, you can get it all in one week, um, as well. So it depends too on what your individual, um, company or property is doing. I know that, um, Marriott was looking, I think to do like emergency kind of week of pay. Um, Hilton of course develop has all these partnerships, which they're, basically going to pool Hilton employees in to work for as well, like Emil mentioned. Um, and then there's also the continued resources. So um, basically like my health insurance for the employer side is still being paid. Instead of it coming out of my check every week, what they'll do is they'll send me like a monthly bill for my part portion, which is no greater than it was already. You know, it's the exact same amount. Um, so there's nobody who's going without health insurance or anything too. our union team members here in New York too are also very well taken care of too, and are still being guaranteed, of course, their union benefits, um, uh, including the health insurance piece as well. Um, I think also there are some companies that are doing more with regards to like, if you have coronavirus too, offering you additional benefits too. So, um, you know, and then of course too, you're eligible for your state benefits too. So there's a lot that is being offered. I think the most difficult part is um, uh, just people who maybe don't have all of like, kind of all of the resources kind of put together. That's why I think it's really important um, if you think that this is where you're headed or if you kind of you know, know that you, you might be in the position where your property closes or you might be individually asked to um, you know, be on furlough or lay off for ours is more to union team members. But um, so with that, like, it's just, um, again, it's just important to kind of ask all the questions that come up as they are and also prepare yourself to be in the position um, to have your questions ready. So like, if you think your hotel might close or might be on the edge or your job might be, you know, one that does get furloughed or laid off, you know, start seeing, are my finances in order? What's, what does my PTO bank look like? Or what does my time off scheme look like right now? How can I best sell, set myself up? Is, is there something I want to look for? Maybe if a grocery store is hiring in my neighborhood, things like that. So at least you kind of, the worst thing about <laughs> being unprepared for something is that once it happens, even if you know it's happening, like you still don't have the pieces kind of put together. If you have a semblance of a plan or just a vague kind of idea of what you might do, at least the, it kind of quells a little bit of that uncertainty that you, you have as well, because you're like, okay, well, I did think about it. You know, maybe I didn't make any action steps, but I thought about it and I can do this or, you know, what, I'm going to take a week. I'm going to really think about it if this happens and then I'll do this, you know? So just putting yourself in the right position, I think most of the time is what yields, you know, the least amount of stress and, the greatest amount of success. So always just 
be thinking ahead, um, you know, cast yourself a week in advance and see, you know, if my occupancy continues to be two and a half percent or 10 percent or lower, you know, where could this go? And am I in the position to be surviving during it in a, in a healthy way? For sure. And I think um, we were also wondering what the difference is between a furlough and a layoff. So furlough is, this is kind of like how my HR director explained it to me. It's like, think of it like a leave of absence that the employee doesn't request, the company does. So instead of me going to my HR office and say, I need a temporary time where I'm still employed, but I won't be taking pay, I need to kind of sort things out, it's the opposite way. So it's the company saying, yes, you're still our employee, we still want you. At this moment, we need to ask you not to come to work um, for a variety of reasons. It's not just in this circumstance, I'm sure it's happened in other circumstances too, you know. Um, maybe for individual properties, you know, not nearly as widespread <laughs> and definitely uh, further and farther between <laughs> those kind of occurrences. Um, so furlough is like you still have a job. They're going to call you to come back. Um, I know ours are kind of to be determined when that callback is. Um, so obviously as part of that whole process, they make sure you have all of their contact information and everything too. Um, layoff can be different. Um, layoff, at least for my union team members, still means they have a job. We do layoffs kind of yearly as well too when it's really low, quiet, or reduced weeks as well. Um, uh, they have kind of some special benefits in that if somebody calls off, for example, they're the first people to get called on layoff and on reduce to see if they would want to come in and pick up the shift. Uh, but then they're still, they're eligible for the unemployment benefits. Yes, they can still take vacation time as well. Um, it's, I just think it's like a different term as far as my property is concerned, or maybe New York is. Um, and then to layoff can apply in the sense where it is a more, a more final kind of parting of ways. So furlough is a less final sort of sense of parting of ways. It's like, we'll see you in a little um, layoff as far as you know managers would be concerned would be at this time we can't sustain your job yeah and I, and I think um, just to kind of go off of, of what you said about the layoffs I know for a, a union environment um, it, it's a little bit different um, based on whatever their yeah. bargaining is but um, in, in a non-union environment and I think most generally speaking a layoff is essentially the business saying we can no longer support your position. Um, so we are letting you go, not for performance based reasons, but because, um, but because we can't support your role anymore. If and when your position to were to reopen again, you would need to reapply for your position. Um, and essentially that would be, that would be the process. So at no point, if you're laid off, um, I guess in, in most scenarios and most definitely in a non-union environment, would you be guaranteed your job back? Um, and I think one thing that we're going to be seeing is that a lot of hotels will not return to the way that they once were before this happened. So I think we're going to yeah. start to see a lot of hotels condense and eliminate positions as especially the ones that stay open realize, wait a second, we were running this hotel with, you know, 15 people. I don't think we need um, the 16th PBX. person. <laughs> I don't think we need PBX anymore. 
um, for example, or I don't think we need to have, um, you know, eight Bellman. I think we can do it with five Bellman. You know, I, I don't believe that it's going to return back to normal. And I think that's where the layoff component uh, becomes yeah. more and more relevant is because hotels are already planning long-term for when it does reopen. How is that structure and staffing going to look like? Um, and I know that's uh, something, and Greg, you're more than welcome to comment on this as well, but one thing that Greg and I have been focusing on is that as our hotel is still open and we are still, you know, in a core group of people who are, um, who are running it is we have an opportunity now while it's slow to really change anything that we didn't agree with or that we think could be better um, procedures that we think could be have need a second look um, programs things that we always say it's too busy it's too busy you know we get caught up in the day-to-day -day. well now we're going to try and use this as an opportunity to stay as positive as we can while it's slow and use that time productively to plan for the future and make sure that when we do bring the team back that we have proper training in place and everything is set up. Um, so I think for anybody who's still employed out there, start thinking about what long-term contributions can you make to your hotel and what projects can you accomplish while the hotel is this slow? Um, It'll never be this slow again, probably in your career. So it's really, it really is the best time to focus and it keeps you sane. I think with just how quiet your hotels are. I mean, if we didn't have anything to work on, we'd, we'd go crazy just sitting there waiting yeah, for our I, one I arrival think, to come in. Right. I, I think it, it, it really is, um, you know, and it's honestly, like I said, it's what we've all been, we always talk about, we're too busy. We're too busy. We can't do it. Okay. Well, I think we, we got our, not what we wanted, but now we don't have the demand of the, the guests in front of us we should be able to accomplish some of these projects that we've been talking about. Um, cool. What do you say we bring on TJ? Sounds good. I'll bring him in. Right. I, I think it, it really is, um, you know, and it's honestly, hey, TJ. <laughs> Oh, where'd you go, man? How are you? Oh, I can't see you, but I'm doing good, man. Can you oh, okay. hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you guys see me? Oh, there we go. Yeah. How have you been, my friend? Long time no talk. Yeah, no, what up, man? What up, Grego? I know you're in the background somewhere. Oh, yeah, I'm here, TJ. How you doing? Oh, okay. oh nice. Uh, you know, just got um, laid off uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday. Uh, just the month before, uh, with all the cancellations of the big conventions, our, I work at the Ambassador Hotel. We have 285 rooms for a boutique property. And the Chinese weren't there once the um, Heart Doctor Convention here in Chicago canceled. Uh, we started seeing our part-time people go to zero hours. And then as soon as the first, um, the first stay-at-home thing was ordered, um, I had 40 hours normal schedule. And very next day, I got the phone call saying, hey, uh, we don't have any hours for you. So and I just got my letter, my laid off letter in the mail. So I've applied for unemployment. It just really sucks because, you know, you become part family when you work at hotels and see people all the time. And, you know, now you're not going to have the opportunity to check in with them and see how they're doing. So 
And TJ, what was your uh, position at the ambassador? A belt captain. Got it. Okay. So, um, and I think it's also important just because, you know, like, you know, you, me and Greg, we know where the ambassador is in Chicago, but I think just to add some context to the location of the hotel, I think is relevant. My bad. I'm up in the Gold Coast. So my major cross streets, we're on State Street. So it'd be like state and division, just in the heart of the Gold Coast, which is uh, Chicago's pretty high-end neighborhood for downtown. And um, I, I think also just to add some context, when we're talking about conventions, which Chicago is home to McCormick Place, which is the largest convention center in North America, um, which is responsible for um, I believe responsible for the reason why we have so much product in the city. Um, So when we have conventions that are canceling left and right, um, that's definitely, we're going to definitely see uh, a lot of business that we had budgeted for and that we had forecasted to be on the books just cease to exist. And the ambassador is actually relatively far away from the convention center. So even the conventions that may come in, the smaller ones, you guys probably aren't going to see any of that business. Oh, no, we were just getting, you know, just the the doctors that didn't book far enough ahead of time, you know, to stay so, so they don't have to go out to O'Hare or Midway. So we're kind right. of like building property where you guys are on the bus when we have the big conventions. Uh, the WID is on one of the bus routes to they do transportation from open till close. So yeah, my hotel's a little bit harder to get to, but we were still, you know, even us smaller properties that are far away, still it was just dramatic how much the cancellation of the uh, cardiology convention just kind of gutted us. And then, uh, you know, they basically at our hotel, they laid off all frontline employees. So all managers, all salary managers are the only ones working there. So you have like my director of rooms, work in the front desk and then my front office manager is doing bell helping out with ballet door clean up in the um lobby area so there's uh just a real skeleton skeleton crew and it's all managers so it just sucks to see a place that's so lively just get gutted like a dead fish and how long have you been in the hotel industry my friend started when i was 19 i'm 36 so almost 18 years. Ever since I graduated high school, my first job was a night audit uh, at a little hotel in Tempe, Arizona. Went to Arizona State, got my degree in business marketing and a minor doing hotels, you know, my whole career. So this is the craziest I've seen it in, in uh, 2008 when the stock market, you know, took its dump then. This is nowhere near, you know, at least I had hours, you know. So yes, I, I'd really, I'd really like to talk about that. I personally was not um, working at that point in any capacity, just before yeah. my time. Uh, I don't know, Emil, you're you're probably in the same boat as well as Leanne, Katerina. I don't know, were you working at that time? No. No. Okay. So I was trying to get a job really hard <laughs> as a 16 year old in a hotel and couldn't because they raised the ages for hiring to um, 18 or 21 instead of 16. Got it. So Greg and TJ, do you guys want to comment on the, you know, comparative impacts of the Great Recession um, compared to the impact COVID-19 has had on the hotel industry? Have the old guys talk about it, right? Yeah, let's get the old timers on the show. (laughs) You guys can talk now. 
Well, I mean, from my experience, I, I was at the Hilton O'Hare when the Great Recession hit. I actually got my job there, first hotel job, February of 2008. So it was like right before everything really started to hit. And honestly, I don't think we really felt it until 2009. Um, and it was very gradual. Uh, you know, slowly our hours would just start to disappear and people stopped traveling. And that summer of 2009, I was basically a part-time employee with zero hours and uh, collecting unemployment. Um, and then sometime later that winter is when it really started to, to kick back up because we, we barely had any staff. A lot of people left because they weren't working. Um, try to find another job. So I think the big difference was that was very gradual. And this has just been, you know, a week and a half where you know, life has really been turned upside down for us. That's for sure. It, it longest week ever, right? <laughs> ever. <laughs> TJ, what about you, man? What do you think? Oh, I guess we lost TJ. Oh. His signal was a little weak earlier, but says he's still in here. Is he in the waiting room? No, says that he's here. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess in the meantime, um, between the rest of us that are still on, uh, I know, Emil, you've now heard. Oh, what's up, TJ? <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> okay cool so now you're unfrozen i don't know what you just said but um <laughs> i said i agree with everything greg said okay cool yeah. so you felt that in 2008 it was much much slower and then you feel like you're you know it's just been instant uh, yeah. impacts essentially yeah it's like you know dying of cancer or getting shot in the head sure okay good way to put it yeah not to be um, morbid or think like that it was you know it's in 2008 2009 i was in pennsylvania working at uh, 500 room radisson and at least we had hours so right um what do you think the hardest part about this has been for you Ooh. Um, well, I know Greg and Kyle both know me personally. So, um, just dealing, uh, with, uh, the stress and how I used to handle it and just want to make sure I do everything proper. Uh, you know, been clean and sober for six plus years and, you know, if it's definitely a lot stressful, uh, with, with what's going on and, um, just trying to live a healthy, clean life. That's the most important thing right now to me. You know, I I'm got an interview at a grocery store the other day. It went good. So if I, as a stock boy, like I, you know, really don't care. It's putting food on the table. That's all that matters. So TJ, um, for, for those who may be struggling with the stress of this, because I feel like a lot of people, and I, I know quite a few personally that have almost been crippled by the uncertainty and the stress. Do you have any tips uh, for managing stress and positive coping mechanisms as somebody who's um, you know, managed to do that positively for, for quite some time now? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely if you're in one of the 12-step programs, I'd say reach out to your sponsor, go to a meeting. Um, but it's, you know, I'm in 
lockdown here with my uh, girlfriend Rachel and her little dog and it's been nice to you know go take the dog for a walk just get some fresh air uh, definitely there's people that if you're having a rough time people love you uh, people want you the best for you reach out you know the heaviest phone call is that first one where you pick up and ask for help so if you just need to talk or vent you know let your circle of friends know and just you know reach out that's my big suggestion yeah and, and i think ultimately nobody is in this alone exactly. at all everybody is doing this together um and i think it's kind of like a double whammy to a certain extent like not only are you know most of the hospitality you know friends and family being laid off or furloughed and you know there's that but then again, we're all on lockdown. Like, so there's been so many times where I've been like, I want to meet up for drinks with like my previous colleague who works at another property. Cause I really want to discuss what's going down with them, strategize, see what's going on, check in and see how they're doing. Oh wait, every single bar and restaurant is closed and we're all stuck in our apartments. So it's like, it's, it's tough because it's like, you almost feel like not only are you isolated because of the impact on the hotel industry, but also just the impact on society and communication and socializing and social distancing in and of itself. Um, so I, I, I love your advice, TJ. You just got to pick up the phone and talk to people. I mean, it weighs a ton, I know, but you just got to reach out and people will definitely be there to help you and vent and, you know, you just got to put forth that effort. Katerina, do you have anything? Because like, honestly, like off, the the show um you me and greg were talking about kind of what you've been up to and i think you should share that with everybody because i really liked it i am one of those people who like up till around a year ago i definitely would get caught into a huge cycle of negativity um and even feeling like you know putting out an effort is not going to yield a return that i wanted um so I felt very stuck. Um, some things that kind of helped me were giving myself a little bit more of a schedule. Um, I think as we all work in hospitality, you know, like that's eight to 10 to 12 hours of your day that like you're doing something usually physical, you're usually standing up, like moving around, interacting, like it eats up a lot of time and sometimes emotional reserves too, but like having that kind of removed from the equation and having all of that extra time to fill with that's like right now got not so much because again, like you said, it's you, I mean, it'd be a great time to take a vacation if you could take a vacation, <laughs> <laughs> a great time to like, you know, go meet up with all the people you can never see cause you're always working. Um, but I think the biggest thing um, is just to remind yourself that outside of work, you're still a person and a person who's worth your own energy and your own time. Um, so for me, I can even show you, I have my trusty notebook right here with me all the time. And this one was great. It's on Amazon. It's like $11, but it has like a weekly kind of overview. So I like fill it out on Sundays for kind of the week. And right now it's not, it looks very colorful, but it's really not that much. Um, but it's just like I said, okay, what time am I going to wake up this week? What time do I ideally in my head want to go to bed? Can I block some time each day? to, you know, be productive? Can I block some time to, you know, work out or pursue something creative? You know, um, just because for me, I think 
getting caught in the emotional side of it sometimes puts you in a whirlwind and a spiral downward. Um, so if at least I have some structure, I can hold myself accountable to what my ideal is. Um, the other thing too is just, I think it's really important to feel the waves of this as they come. Um, especially, you know, I think a lot of people try and, you know, quell those, the negative things and try and just focus on the positive. But the thing is, this is an inherently negative situation. This is not something that can be glazed over. And it's not something that's going to resolve itself tomorrow or the next day or maybe in a couple of weeks or months even for some of us, you know. Um, so allowing yourself to kind of have the space to feel all of those things, you know, I've had a variety of different reactions, and I think probably everybody has too, to, you know, being told that, you know, don't come to work. Like half of it was like, okay, I knew it was coming. And then, you know, like 30 minutes later, you're like, I'm really upset. You know, I'm not going to see everybody. This is, you know, this is, this is what I love. This is what I care about. And now I, I don't have it. Then you get another waiver. It's like, how am I going to, I'm going to have to fill every single minute with everything, you know, all the time, you know, but just giving yourself space to kind of feel all the things and let them pass through and, you know, acknowledge the feelings, give them validation because they are valid feelings. This is a terrible situation. And however you're feeling is valid. I felt really inessential when I got told, oh, we don't, like, you know, here's your papers. We're really sorry. Like, but I know that my management team is great and it was a hard decision in my head, but the feeling, you know, keeps coming and persisting. Um, for me, I just think it's really important to try and pour yourself into yourself right now, you know, and also um, playing to what TJ said, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's not something to be ashamed about. Um, I know out of my siblings, I'm the only one who's, who's facing this in this way. Every, all of my other siblings are either, you know, in grad school or college or, or they can work from home. Um, and so being able to own the space of this has affected me worse than my siblings and that it's okay to express that, but also if I need help, it's my responsibility to ask for it because, and then I also have to be willing to accept it. It's one thing to, you know, accept, like say, I really need help. And then when somebody offers it, you know, like you have to remove the pride from it. You know, this is an intrinsically very difficult situation and we all need help in different ways and that that's okay. You know? Sorry, yeah, a lot of a lot of words. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. Like super valuable insights, and I think um, a lot of people are struggling with their pride right now, for sure, because a lot of people's identity is derivative of their work, and especially hotel people, because um, you know we definitely love what we do and everything. So, um, anyway, guys, we're just about out of time. I do want to see: do we have any questions left from the viewers, Greg? Uh, no, it looks like we're all uh, we're all caught up here. Okay, cool. Well, um, does anybody have any final thoughts before we uh, end our first live broadcast here with Hospitality MD? I do have a question. So three of you are in Chicago, and Chicago is one of my favorite cities. I visited twice for school, one for the National Society of Minorities in Hospitality, and last year, like right the day after graduation for the NRA show. Um, I know on the website, the NRA has decided that they're still going to have the convention. 
what's your thought? Do you think that's going to shift anytime soon? Because like here in LA or just in California in general, food and the restaurant industry is completely shattered. Uh, restaurants are closed. The only thing that you can do is either take out or delivery. And obviously for the National Restaurant Association show, that's all food. There's tons of people. McCormick Place is just another area where people are going to gather where this could go south real fast. What do you think the city or the association is trying to do to kind of combat that or try to save at least what is left? Emil, do you know when the show is? I know it comes the same time every year. I just can't remember. It's in May. Um, yeah. I think like the second week of May or something like that. Yeah, usually gotcha. the middle of May. Yeah, so honestly, I believe that it will likely be that the show just won't happen because it'll be uh, shut down by the government. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't really see a universe right now. We're in the middle of May. Thousands of people are congregating at McCormick Place and the city is, is, is flooded with people. I just don't see it happening. Um, I predict that ASCO, uh, which is the largest citywide that comes to Chicago every year um, for uh, oncologists, uh, a lot of which are coming from Europe and Asia, will also be canceled um, as well. And that's in June. Uh, and something that most hotels in the city that's when you have probably an average length of stay of about five or six nights, but sometimes, you know, people are staying for 13, 14 nights at high rates. That's when we make our most money. That's when people are spending money in the food and beverage outlets. And that's a huge kick for the summer. I, I'd be hard pressed to find uh, that summer 2020 has that show here in Chicago. So um, yeah, as far as NRA, man, if they do have it, um, I guess hopefully it doesn't spike any more corona outbreaks, but it sure as hell would be good for the economy, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, anything from anybody else? Leanne, TJ, Katarina, Greg? Nope. I'm good. Okay. It was nice, uh, nice seeing everyone here and glad to finally be able to do uh, jump on the podcast with you guys. So, yeah, uh, thank you so much for reaching out, all of you guys. Well and Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation, guys. Um, we plan to keep talking uh, really until everybody who wants to share their stories has an opportunity to. Um, so really looking forward to a continued dialogue. And you have a friend in, in all of us for life now. So just reach out if you need anything. And for those listening, thank you so much for watching Hospitality MD's first live broadcast. This will soon be available in podcast format and be sure to check out the rest of our interviews. Um, Katerina, thanks as always for being a great co-host and a great friend. We appreciate you. It's a pleasure to be here. Alrighty guys, we'll see you next time.